This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Welcome to the Raptors Republic post-game podcast for Game 3. I'm your host, Zarar. The Raptors have dropped Game 3 to the Wizards, 122-103. Maybe as expected by some. Maybe. Because, you know, Wizards aren't a terrible team, and maybe they were due. And uh, joining me to discuss whether the Wizards were due is Sean Baskerin. Hey, man. What's up, Zarar? Uh, nothing. How are you feeling after that loss, man? Uh... It was an expected loss for me, honestly, because the Wizards were huffing and puffing. They had a couple of good showings in Game 1 and 2. They dominated key stretches in Games 1 and 2, and you kind of expected them to, at some point, you know, put it all together and click, and this was the game. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we had a lot of Raptors in five predictions, so, I mean, that obviously means the Wizards would win one, and I think... If it's going to be one, tonight would be the one. I picked the Raptors in session just because I didn't have the faith coming in. And honestly, I wouldn't be stunned if we lost game game four as well. But but I think this game was, yeah, exactly what you said it was. I think you you got it. You had to figure the talent would win through at some point. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Like Wall and Beal were just too much to handle. Yeah, and and Beal's the key, right? I think I think Wall is somebody who we just we just know that we cannot guard him. We, we not many people can. He's just too quick, too fast. Uh, his assist numbers were great again, 14 tonight. He's making people better. But it's Bradley Beal who really is the is the key guy that you have to stop for us to slow down the Wizards. And he had a massive game, 10 of 19, uh, 28 points. Uh, you know, very efficient, four for nine from three. Yeah, we had we had um, uh, Delon guard him. Uh, we had DeRozan on him for a bit. Lowry was switched over to him. Uh, Siakam was on him for a little while. Nothing we 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 threw at him slowed him down. But but that that's how it goes with shooters, right? Once you get into the groove, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, for sure. And I think you had to figure he'd bounce back at home. Um, like, and the thing is, I think Beal unlocked. I think you made the point too. Like Beal unlocks this offense. Uh, in a way that Wall doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, do. Like, we saw that in the second half of game two as well, right? Like, Wall obviously 
um, you know, took over the offense and played well, but the Raptors were still able to contain it because it's, it's a more sort of, um, you know, line drives to the basket type of feel with kickouts and, and obviously still not as effective coming off of that leg injury. So I think Beal with his shooting adds a completely different dynamic to that offense. And when he's going, it's just so hard, especially in a game like today where he's working that screen and roll and obviously Gortat or Morris or Porter, whoever's screening, um, like they're all good screeners. And, and I think we were having a lot, I think OG was on him at some point in the third quarter and it was just so difficult fighting off those screens and, and he's obviously moved so well without the ball. So it was just, it was just one of those disheartening, um, you know, performances where when he goes off like that, it just, the crowd gets into it and it just becomes so difficult and you're, you know, swimming upstream the rest of the game. And you mentioned the crowd getting into it. That was that was one of the things that you might have expected coming into Game 3 in Washington. And uh, I wrote about this before the game that uh, the one thing the Raptors have to do is reduce their live ball turnovers because that really sparks the Wizards' um, wizard style. And given given their guards and the speed at which they attack, it, it's going to be problematic. And, and that's really one area where the Raptors it started off pretty well. I mean, they were up like seven in the first quarter. Uh, a lot of stoppages of play, uh, free throws. Uh, DeRozan hit some, hit a, hit a big three. So things were going our way. But as soon as the turnover started, and the Raptors had 18 of them in, 18 of them in the game, as opposed to the Wizards 11, uh, that that I think turned the tide because it gave Washington the fuel uh, which they used to fire. Oh, the turnovers were terrible, man. I mean, I think it led to like 28 Wizard points. Um, you, and and it starts with the backcourt, right? Like Lowry, and we'll get into you know his performance. I'm sure later on, but if you look at, I mean, five turnovers from Lowry, three from DeRozan, that's eight from your backcourt alone. Um, and then we had a lot of like surge fumbles with the ball. And as we're used to seeing, um, OG had one fumble that was unforced. So it was just a lot of, it just seemed kind of lethargic offensively. It was, I wouldn't necessarily say it was anything the Wizards were doing. Um, I think they had a lot more energy in the second half, but we were gifting a lot of those turnovers. Many yeah. of them, what, uh, what, many of them were dead ball though. So what did you make of uh but but yeah they were dead ball as well but but the, but the live ball ones uh, they obviously ran back uh, but at some point the, the wizards started running back like missed shots like they got fast break points off of missed shots uh and that's when it when it becomes really really dangerous yeah i mean and that's how they thrive right like in a half court i'll take the raptors offense but on the fast break with a guy like wall um and shooters around him like porter and morris and so on it's just difficult to deal with, right? So, yeah, I agree. I think the turnovers is, is playing right into their hands. Yeah, so before we get to Lowry and DeRozan, uh, the bench production today really wasn't there. I mean, the, four, the third and fourth quarter when the game was a little out of reach, uh, guys came in and put up some numbers. But overall, the, the, the defensive impact and the offensive punch that the bench is used to supplying was not there when we needed in, in, in quarter number two, to be precise. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Raptors got rolled in the second quarter, 39-32. With 39 points they gave up in the second quarter, which is which is not, you know, not great. And that, that's what their bench is known for, their defense, and it just wasn't there today. For sure, for sure. And, and on the on the road in the playoffs, your margin of error is so slim. Uh, I don't care who, first seed, eight seed, whatever, on the road, it's just difficult to score. And offensive execution has to be tough and, and firm and kind of, uh, you know, authoritative, and there has to be a certain disposition, and that just wasn't there from the bench at all. Uh, you look like a, you look at a guy like DeLon Wright. He was huge in those first two games, defensively and offensively. Um, over two from three, his shooting wasn't, you know, it didn't make an impact at all. Uh, he was a minus 15 for the night. 
um, it kind of makes you wonder, uh, this might sound hot takey, but it makes you wonder how much of this like amazing bench was really just Van Fleet and how much of it is kind of organic in, in the sense that all of these other guys that are contributing because he was so important for that second unit. And even if the other guys are competent, taking him out of the lineup this late in the season with no time to prepare puts those guys in a bit more of a, um, you know, uncharted territory, right? So I think that that obviously factors. I think it's a factor. I just don't think Van Vliet could have changed the tide of this game. Um, maybe he could have slowed the pace down. That's the one thing that, I mean, DeLon and these guys, they tend to keep the pace high. Van Vliet's a guy who will go the other direction and slow it down when the game needs to be slowed down. So I think there he might have had an impact. But but overall, in terms of like overall scoring and defense, I, I just maybe he could have impacted the pace of the game, but I just don't see... Um, I don't know. I, I, that's just me. Yeah. But, 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 but let's talk about Lowry. You mentioned him earlier. The numbers look good, man. 19 points, uh, 8 assists. Yeah, there are 5 turnovers. Uh, he played with 5 fouls for uh, for a bit of the second half as well. 6 of 14 shooting. You know, that's like 44%, 43% shooting. Um, 5 for 8 from 3. But overall, I sense a little bit of criticism in there from, from coming from you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm ripping on the guy. I thought he had an okay game, a little bit inflated statistically because of the, the second half. I thought he, I think Casey ran with him in those closing minutes and he had a couple threes and, and some other plays that it boosted his stats a little bit. I think the first half set the tone, though, and um, I don't want to put this on Lowry, though. I thought he played okay, especially on the road. Uh, I thought it was the second quarter. Um, where the Wizards scored like 39 points, outscored us by seven in that quarter. I thought the defense really let us down. It was mostly the bench, I think, in that quarter that let us down more than anything. Um, you can't put put this loss on on Lowry individually or or DeRozan for that matter either. Yeah, I mean, definitely not DeRozan either. I mean, he was 10 for 22, 23 points. Again, efficient. Uh, the assists were a little low on on the four, but you know. A, a, the Raptors did get a lot of clean looks in this game. Uh, it's just that the shots we made in games one and two didn't go down. I think from three we were 12 of 28, uh, which is not a which is not a bad percentage at all. But uh, a, lo- a lot of those shots were were open, and and, and you know our three point shooters kind of blew some of them. So DeRozan didn't, didn't get the assist that he that he usually does. But overall, I I, I don't think you can. As you're right. I, I, other than Ibaka, who had a bad offensive game and was a bit of a non-factor. Oh, he was terrible. I, I, I don't think you can definitely put this on DeRozan and Lowry, who did show up to play. And they, they started off the game well. And they set the tone early. And then we just could not stop the the Wizards' dribble penetration at any point in this game. And once they got the momentum, we just we, we, we kind of got bowled over. Uh, so it, it's very difficult for me to say, you know, this guy did X, Y, and Z for us to lose this game. It's just collectively, defensively, we weren't able to just contain uh, really anybody. And, and the Wizards ended up shooting, what, 55% in this game. That's that's ridiculous, man. I don't know what the points in, paid, points in the paint number looks like right now. Let me just... 44-52, uh, oh, oh. yeah. So Wizards got that one, too. So it's, it, it's very difficult to stop a team with that quality when you give up so much double penetration. And, uh, yeah. No, absolutely, man. I thought interior, yeah, you mentioned the point in the paint. I think it's 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 not just how many points they scored in terms of the 122, because I think the team that scores more than 120 in this series seems to be the winning team. But I don't think it's it's so much the amount of points. It's it's who scores and who who really impacts the game, right? You look at the Wizards, like Gortat, to me, is, is one of their tone setters. Like, he, if he plays well, um, it, it adds, especially against the Raptors, which he's done in the past, it adds, like, a different comp- – you know, an added complexity to sort of how you how to deal with them. Because I thought, like, their interior, even, like, Mahimi off the bench, uh, I thought Pirtle 
was terrible in the few minutes that he was in the game. He was basically a fouling machine inside, but it, it's who's scoring, right? Like when, when those guys are scoring inside, like I, th- I think you mentioned 44 pain points, like Gortat 16 points, eight of 10 shooting. Like that's usually a recipe for a wizard's win against the Raptors. Cause he's such a important player that kind of adds a certain level of toughness offensively it makes it really difficult for us to deal with. And the one constant problem that we've had in this in this series has been defending the that side pick and roll action with John Wall. Uh, and in this game, Gortat did some finishing and rolled to the rim properly and, and you know scored some points there. But it has been a weakness which the Raptors have not had an answer for. Maybe they're obviously protecting against John Wall's quickness. They're sacking off a little bit. They're losing sight of the, the big man and focusing more on Wall. Whatever they're doing, uh, that, that two-man sequence that the Wizards run is, is giving them some good, good results. Yeah, no, absolutely. This, it sounds like, I don't want to bring it up because it sounds so scary to say, but it, it did feel like some of those 2015 playoff games because um, the way they were operating on that pick and roll, the decisiveness with which they were playing, like Otto Porter, you know, kind of hitting his stride again. I know he only had eight points, but um, that interior pressure constantly, either someone driving or Gortat or whoever rolling to the paint puts so much pressure on, you know, it, those outside guys to cave in and then you're opening all these avenues for shooters as well. So, um, I mean, the wizards weren't like crazy from three to nine. I think they knocked down 10 threes, but like, it's, it's just the effect it has overall on the game. And I think they instilled that second quarter onwards. Um, and we, we just didn't have an answer. Yeah. And I'm trying to pull up John Wall's shot chart and see what, see what it kind of looks like. And it's, um, where is he? I'm on NBA.com. Um, and it's not pulling up right now, which kind of sucks. Well, I mean, he didn't hit a single three. It was all, yeah, it was four. mostly drives yeah. to the basket. And um, it's what you think it is, right? John Wall's the kind of player where he's, he gets assists and stuff, but he's, he's kind of predictable in a sense. It's, it's usually uh, line drives to the basket and then kickouts, usually, you know, not really hockey assists, just direct passes for scores. Um, but, but, you know, when you get that contribution from Beal as well, I think the synergy with them is just, it makes it really difficult. Yeah, and, and, and he's like from the mid-range area, like because one strategy could be, you know, just to sag off and put Siakam on him and sag mm-hmm. back and, yeah. and just see what he can do. But he has been hitting his mid-range jumpers. Like I can, like it's five for nine today he is from mid-range. He missed all four of his threes, but within that, you know, yeah. 17 to 20 foot range, he has been nailing them. So he, he has become, you know, a bit of a problem for the Raptors. I know our, our strategy has been more or less concede to him and worry about everybody else, but at some point maybe maybe John maybe the, should there be a change in strategy and how we how we defend John Wall? Yeah, I mean it's it's so tough, man, because I don't think we have any, like I don't think you can point to a single guy on this team on our team that can really match up toe to toe with Wall from a speed perspective going, you know, line drive to the basket, right? So like you mentioned, I think it's more the strategy of how we play him more so than who actually guards him. Um, I think sagging off of him is obviously, you know, uh, an obvious sort of recipe. But, um, you know, I I think it's one of those things where if you can limit everybody else, like I I think let John Wall go for 30 points. Like, I don't think that's the worry. I think it's containing more guys like Beal, um, Porter, Morris and Gortat, who um, are kind of been on and off this series. Right. Like when most of those guys are held in check, like no matter how well Wall does, I think we can uh, we can match that level of. Um, you know, offensive toughness, especially because he's not a shooter. So I think um, limiting the three-point shot, limiting the turnovers, um, I think those were more the takeaways from this game. I, I'm not sure if there's really an answer where, okay, if we put this guy on wall, um, it'll it'll solve the series. But uh, I hate to go back to my man Freddie V, but 
you know, putting him on wall wouldn't be a bad option either once he's back. Yeah, and, and I wish I had some stat, stats on uh, on how we fared in just in a half court set defensively because I can guarantee mm-hmm. you it was it was a lot lot better than whenever we were you know in semi transition yeah. and so on, which which is generally the case with most teams, but it was even more pronounced in this game where, like we. We we seem to control the game when the pace is less. It's generally our preference, right? We we can play a high pace game as well, but it, it, it's we can't do it for a for a long period of time. We can get away with it for like five minutes here, maybe two minutes there, but generally speaking, the pace needs to be lower for us to win. And, and in a game like today, it just the chances of us winning when the pace is like one fifteen or something is not good. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the starters that may be the case with the starters. I think when our bench is firing, we can we can pretty much go toe to toe with anyone. But when in a game like today, where you're getting like not much from your bench and you're having to look for answers with Bebe and Norm and and Lorenzo Brown at one point, like it just wasn't a typical bench night. But I mean, in the first two games of the series, we played with a high pace and the bench played better and and we were able to match up with them. So um, let's see. And, and bench players don't normally play well on the road, right? So. This is, in a way, not really a shock. And let's not forget, most of these guys, it's their first time playing a significant role on a playoff series. I mean, I know I ripped on Pirtle, but, like, this is really the first time he's meaningfully, um, you know, playing minutes in a playoff series. So I think all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And also when you look at the East across the board right now, you know, Boston's getting crushed by uh, by Milwaukee, so they're probably going to go down 2-1. Uh, you know, Cleveland, Indiana, 2-1, Indiana, you know, the other series is that way too, so it's uh, it's all trending the same way in the East. Uh, so the Raptors <laughs> are really in, uh, in in the same boat as everybody else. Uh, you know, Phil Jackson once said uh, a series doesn't start until a team loses a home game, and uh, <laughs> this series has not yet started. <laughs> well, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I, I think Game Four is going to be important, though. I mean, pivotal, obviously, pivotal, if this yeah. was a you know, it, we're obviously on serve, uh, so to speak, but. Uh, I think Game Four is still very, very pivotal. Uh, it could, it has the potential of being a letdown game, but I think, I think the Raptors will be resilient and and and, and bounce back. Yeah. So, uh, Sham, as is tradition on the uh, post game podcast, um, you know, Will always does it, so we have to do as well. So we got we got to go with the uh, three stars for the Raptors on, on the. Shout night. out to Will, man. Shout uh, out to Will. Yeah, as always, as always. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let us go. The the best Raptor player on the night. It's not Kyle Lowry for you. We've, we've uh, sensed that. <laughs> I think you got to give it to DeMar, man, just statistically. I mean, uh, 23 points, 10 of 22, reasonably efficient. Uh, he hit a three in the game. I thought he was really our only offensive option for large portions of the game. Um, didn't seem to be bothered by some of the looks the Wizards were throwing at him. But I thought the point you made earlier was good. Um, his passing, I know he had four assists, but... It wasn't you didn't get the same feeling you normally do from DeRozan where he's reading the defense and one step he's you know constantly one step ahead. But um, in a night where not a lot of guys had good nights, I thought uh, I thought he was one of the lone guys. Did you did you see that shot he hit when he got fouled four times and then he still managed to like muscle it up? And Dwayne Casey didn't even complain to the ref. That's one of those classic contact no calls from Devlin. Yeah, I I was watching the uh, the ESPN feed, but. At that point, I was I was I wish I was watching the Raptor feed because Devlin <laughs> must have made a deal of that one. Uh, I actually didn't watch most most of the second half. I was watching the Cleveland Cavaliers game, but yeah, that was uh, that was definitely one of the Devlin Jack Armstrong. Oh well, I, I thought Jack Armstrong had other entertaining moments in this game too, but uh, yeah, I got all of them. So we'll go to Rosen. Uh, star number two 
Um, so with some candidates, you got Kyle Lowry, obviously, and then you also have JV, who who did lose Gortat defensively, but but again, an, a, as usually, an efficient game from JV, six for eight, 14 points, uh, five rebounds. Um, you know, <laughs> look at it, look at it this JV. way, man. Look, look at it this way. All the all the remaining starters were minuses, and JV was a zero. So uh, so that's. <laughs> He was he was even, the, and uh, like I said, on a night where most guys were in minus, uh, that's, that's not the, bad. Uh, the Wizards sub that surprised yep. you the most, and uh, I got to give this one to Kelly Oubre Jr. Man, he's had an up and down series, uh, but this one he uh, he showed up. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Drake trash talk must have lit some sort of fire in him because uh, I mean he played well. He's a streaky guy, obviously. Um, you know he when uh, he didn't hit a three, which was strange, but. Still able to produce 12 points in, in 26 minutes, and I thought um, I thought he was active defensively and and really caused some issues. But when, like I said, like when you've got Ubre and 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 guys like Porter with reasonable length, like really actively playing the Raptors defensively, it just makes it tough. And I thought he was a key cog in that. Yeah. Hey, hey, just parting note. I'm a bit annoyed that they focus so much on Drake during the games. Yeah. He's he's he beca- it almost becomes Drake centric, but it, he, the goods come with the bads, man. I mean, you, we, I don't know what the stats are, but we I'm pretty sure we play pretty well when he's at our home games. Um, someone's got to look up that stat, especially at, in the playoff games. But um, I don't mind him, man. I don't mind him. I, I think it's it's excessive if you're not a fan of Drake. Um, but uh, if I think most Toronto fans are, uh, maybe that's. Too, too too broad of a generalization, but if you're a Toronto fan, I think you like it. But yeah, you gotta hate it if you're like a Wale fan. <laughs> <laughs> was he in the arena today? I don't think he showed up. I don't think he makes music anymore. He should. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. I think let's let's wrap it up there. Uh, game four is uh, is in a couple of days. Is what is it? Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sunday in, it's in Washington. Uh, the Raptors will look to uh, go up 3-1, while the Wizards will look to uh, tie up the series at two apiece. Uh, we'll talk to you after Game 4 with another post-game podcast. Plenty of coverage of the series from now till then, uh, of course, uh, with a quick reaction and the post-game and, and all that good stuff. So, listener, we'll see you after Game 4. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a 3-1 Raptors series lead. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.